Hey guys, welcome to the CFB Dynasty podcast. I'm Zach Tao. With me, I have Matt Knowles. What's going on, and, everybody? And owner and creator of CFB Dynasty, Brian McElfresh. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey, hey how you doing, Zach? I'm doing all right. Um, got a lot to talk about here in a short amount of time. Um, but first, let's kind of give an introduction to ourselves. Um, Matt, why don't you start? Tell us, tell everybody a little about yourself. Sure. My name is Matt Knowles. I am one half of Insymmetry Creations. We are a comic writing content creation company. But as far as this podcast is concerned, I played fantasy football for over 25 years. I have been playing college fantasy football for over 13 years. Uh, Brian and I both co-commission the CFB Dynasty College and Pro Fantasy Football Leagues. And a uh, huge fan of college football, big North Carolina State fan, but, there's a, but I just love college football. And I'm really glad you guys have me on the show tonight. Awesome. I mean, you guys know each other for a while, but Brian, why don't you tell a little, tell a little bit about CFB Dynasty and how you got it started? Yeah, sure. So uh, in addition to CFB Dynasty, I um, own and run a uh, digital marketing agency called Searchalytics, and uh, that's been a big part of my background. In addition to college football, um, I was you know born in Gainesville, big Gator fan. Um, and uh, yeah, CFB Dynasty was kind of born out of need. Uh, like Matt said, he and I have run this league for about 13 years and six years ago started this website to kind of help other people with all the information I was compiling anyways to help set my lineups and help uh, draft college fantasy football players. Um, so we've been providing that for six years and this year we're doing something really cool with uh, building out our own algorithm that's going to push out uh, average or projected points per game for every player uh, every week going into the season. Um, so that's going to really help you in DFS, optimize your lineups. It's going to obviously help you in standard fantasy leagues, but it's going to be really cool. It's going to tie into weather and all kinds of stuff. We'll have more coming out about it as it gets completed, um, but it's it's in the works now. Yeah, I've you've talked with me behind the scenes about a lot of this stuff, and it's pretty impressive the stuff that's that's coming um so stay tuned for all of that i'm not going to reveal any of it so don't worry about that um i guess a little bit about me real quick um i'm a huge college football fan college fantasy football has been something i've been really passionate about for at least at least 10 years now i remember i remember in high school i would make like spreadsheet fantasy uh teams and leagues and everything and keep up with it by hand and it was you know, probably totally unnecessary, but that just showed you where my passion was. Um, and Brian got a hold of me this past year, and really we kind of talked about it, and we decided this podcast was a good idea. So here we are. Um, but with that, I want to go ahead and jump in. Um, let's go ahead and talk about our like primetime performers this past season, um, our college fantasy football awards. Um, we'll start with quarterback. Uh, who, whichever one you goes first, Brian, you want to go first, name your, your sure, sure. Uh, way to, way to start out with quarterback for me after saying I was from Gainesville. Um, but <laughs> I am going to select Kyle Trask. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. So I, so going into the season, I was one of the fools who was like, yeah, let's see Emory Jones a lot more. And that's, that's what I wanted, but it was clear early on that, you know, him having, well, well, what was a really weird off season to, to, you know, be the starter for the first time. Uh, 
he put in the work and they were great. It was just a good collection with him and the receivers, but going into the fantasy season. So uh, according to fan tracks, he had an average draft position of 112th and finished in the top five. Uh, it'll be hard to find any better value than that. So aside from me being a Gainesville guy, the data kind of led me to Trask also. Yeah. There's definitely nothing wrong with that pick. Um, Matt, who you got? So in a, in a lot of these categories tonight, I'm going to be the one that's going to play the straight man. I'm going to take some of the obvious people that are out there. Um, Mac Jones coming into this season with the names that have come out of Alabama. Um, when you're talking about Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa, Mac Jones had a lot less talk about him than the two guys that preceded him. And all he did was have by a mile the most fantasy points in college fantasy football this year. Um, you know, don't normally expect that an Alabama quarterback is going to be the player that's going to lead your team to victory in fantasy points. And um, he just did so well this year. It was very difficult to not uh, give him the, the the top honors as far as I'm concerned. This, again, there's nothing wrong with that either. And my pick is a little bit different, but as far as fantasy is concerned, he, I know all the teams that had him were darn good. Malik Willis from Liberty. And I know it's kind of the contrarian pick, but man, he did it running, throwing, whatever. It was just, it was just, he was just that guy. Um, you look for that dual threat every year. He kind of was, was it this year. Um, Cause Mac Jones, he's not running anywhere. Um, Kyle Trask could run, but that's not what, you know, what he did best. So um, that was, yeah. that was kind of my contrarian pick, but I think it was fair to say. So, yeah, I don't think it's contrarian at all. Really, if you look at uh, the data for last year, you know, not everyone played, you know, 12 games. It was a, a weird season where, you know, some people played eight, some teams played six, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Malik Willis had um, the the most points per game outside of Dustin Crum, according to, you know, this fan tracks data that I'm looking at here. Right. Uh, Dustin Crum averaged 37.7 points per game. He only played a handful of games, but Malik Willis played a ton more games and averaged 35 points a game, a uh, little bit higher than Trask. Um, and Trask was a little bit higher than um, uh, Mac Jones. But yeah, all three good picks, key guys to have on your uh, college fantasy football roster last year. And I'm pretty sure everybody probably knows this, but what we're saying is we're not saying the best player. We're saying the best fantasy player. Yeah. Like, I don't think Malik Willis is better than those other two guys. I just think that as far as you're looking at stats and what he did for you, your fantasy team, I think he was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And going into the year, obviously, Justin Fields was a big target. Sam Howe, Sam Ellinger, Spencer Rattler, Trevor Lawrence. But yeah. uh, all three of the guys we mentioned outscored these guys. And you could draft them a lot further down. Um, yeah. And another one, yeah, Zach Wilson, who, who certainly needs to be mentioned as someone who you could have got really good value in. Um, and those are, those are people to kind of pick out. And there are certain things that you can look at too to kind of spot trends here when you look at uh malik willis's coach kyle trask coach alabama as just a juggernaut you know, you know yeah juggernaut <laughs> and two has really changed the game for them as they transitioned over from a running offense to a passing offense and uh 
those are those are some of the things that you can kind of pick out and observe as you look into ranking players or finding mm -hmm. diamonds in the rough for 2021. Well, I think too, one of the, I'm glad you brought up Zach Wilson. I think he probably had one of the most interesting seasons in 2020 because if you look at the ACC or the SEC, a lot of the conferences were like, hey, we're going to play conference-only schedules. BYU being an independent, their season, their schedule changed so often that as a quarterback, you, you want to go and prepare for the team that you're going to be playing. And they had teams that were getting added onto their schedule. They played Coastal Carolina on like, what was it, two or three days notice? And yeah. the kind of things that you, that he would have to do to prepare for his schedule changing, when they when their season started, they had basically a trash schedule. They just had mm -hmm. seven teams. They just found whoever they could get as opponents. And by the end of the season, like they were, they were making changes to their schedule in October, mid-October. For him to be able to put up the kind of numbers he did where he had no clue who he was going to be playing week to week was very impressive. Totally. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. And this is a topic for another day, but I want to kind of just mention it. We make these, or these colleges make schedules five, 10 years in advance when BYU and Coastal decided they'd play in less than a week. So it makes you wonder, like, why can't this happen more often? Why can't we match up good teams when it's needed versus playing an FCS or a, a, a yeah. cupcake, if you will? As we get into trends later on in this pod, yes, I, I agree. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that needs to happen. And I say that as I celebrate, you know, Florida is going to play Notre Dame on the road in 2031. And I'm very excited about that a decade from now. <laughs> but uh, yes, I agree. All right. Now we'll move to running backs. Um there was a lot of really good ones, but uh, Matt, why don't you kick us off with the running backs? Who did you pick? So I'm going to go to a guy that only played half the season, but in the half the season that he played, uh, no, I know firsthand that in the two leagues that I'm a part of in CFB and MVP, the performance that this guy had actually changed the semis and put teams into the finals, and that's Jared Patterson from Buffalo. Um Nobody had more of an impact as a running back in the six weeks that he played than he did when he was sniffing the all-time record for most yards. I mean, I, I had Samaj P. Ryan when he set that record for Oklahoma, and it seemed like it was going to be a foregone conclusion that he was going to get over 500 yards in that game versus Ken. He ended up with a measly 409 yards rushing. <laughs> but um, the kind of performance – Eight touchdowns. Yeah, and eight touchdowns. The kind of performance that he put out there was unbelievable. And when he did it, it completely changed the landscape of the playoffs for most leagues. And so that's why I think Jared Patterson had the most impact uh, for the games that he played in the season. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I mean, Patterson scored in most, most leagues in a normal scoring format. He scored 100 points in what was the championship of most, most leagues. Uh, so yeah, Patterson played half the year, but scored so many points. Uh, he's got to be the guy. He's he's mine as well. But uh, I'll also mention Najee Harris. Um, he was one that going into the year I thought was a really interesting player, um, given the fact that you know Tua's gone. Will they run the ball more since they have Mac Jones coming in uh, to start for the first time? You know the answer really was wasn't no, it was yes and no. Their offense was amazing. So they did run it a lot more. Najah Harris had a great fantasy year. Um, and then Muhammad Ibrahim was also came out on fire. And if you had him on your league, 
or on your team. I think he was scoring 40 a game until the end of the year. So I'd, I'd have to go with Patterson uh, for the reason of just, you know, he was a flat out amazing and won people titles. If he was on your team in the championship, how about you, Zach? Yeah, I've, I was leaning Najee Harris, but I also I want to mention Brees Hall for yeah. Iowa state. If you wanted a guy that was steady throughout the season, he's your guy. He probably won you or kept you in every matchup you were in. Um, he scored at least once in every game. He ran for 1,500, almost 1,600 yards this season. Um, I like the more steady performer throughout the season, like didn't have the real bad game. You know, you can have the 300-yard game and then the 50-yard game to follow it. He didn't really have one of those. He had a couple where he dropped under 100 yards, but he still scored at least once. So, you know, that's that's something you want in a running back. Um, I don't know about you guys. I prefer all my performers to, to – I can trust them week in, week out versus the boomer bust guy. Um, totally. It's it's nice to have the boomer bust guy because when he booms, he really booms, but the bust can kill you. You can lose yep. because of him. Um, you weren't losing because of Brees Hall. Just put it that way. Completely. All right. So – that's running backs. Um, we want to quickly jump to wide receivers. There's a there's a bunch. They're obviously the the one that everybody's going to talk about here is Devonte Smith. Um, I th- look, he was cl- above everyone else, clearing away the best receiver. Um, and if you guys want to talk about him some more, that's cool. I'm gonna go ahead and lead off the receivers. Um, you know, there was I was torn picking this, but I went with Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Now, he only played in eight games, but he was second in the nation in receptions behind only Devontae Smith. I have to believe if he plays the full 12 games, he's going to be up there probably passing Devontae Smith in receptions. And look, I I just think that I like guys that get a lot of targets, get a lot of catches, do a lot of work with those targets, and he's my guy. I like it. So, you know, the average draft position um, for – Elijah Moore was 127th. Uh, so there's great value there when Devonta Smith going into the year was, uh, you know, already known as the main guy there with him and Waddle. So he was uh, a first round pick. Um, and then you have Jalen Darden, uh, who, who I'll go with, mm-hmm. was uh, ADP yeah. 56, uh, averaged 34 points a game. Uh, senior receiver out of North Texas was flat out incredible. Uh, kick it to you, Matt. So as we talked about before we got on the on the show, Devontae Smith, obviously not only my top wide receiver, but my MVP. Um, I'm going to actually go to another player that only played half the season that was not even on the radar when the season started, but did the same thing that Jared Patterson did and completely flipped a lot of fantasy games. And that's Romeo Dubes from uh, Nevada. Yeah. Yep. When he came in, he jumped in and you talk about consistency. Over a five-week span, he had 36 receptions and nearly 800 yards split almost evenly across a five-week span with nine touchdowns in there as well. If you had those two guys that came in in mid-October and ended up on your roster, you were the terror of your leagues. And I know that the guys that had both of those guys in the leagues I was in were guys that were in the playoffs. So that's oh, why yeah. I'm going to go with Romeo, just because he was the most influential player at that point. Not MVP for the year, but most influential wide receiver in the time that really mattered at the second half of the season. That's a really good point. I like the way you you break it down because 
we're talking about season, but like some seasons were shorter than others this year. Um, and those weeks mattered a lot, especially come the end of the season when you were pushing for playoffs or maybe you, maybe you were a 500 team midway through the season. And then you caught fire those last three or four week, five weeks of the season and carried home a, a title. So um, I like that. I, I like that point of view. Honestly, I, I didn't really look at it that way, but that's the more you talk about it. I, I like it. Um, so we've talked about our QB running back receivers, but if you had to pick and I'll, I'll be back up in honor of the NCAA football game, EA coming out with the NCAA college football video game. If you had to pick your cover athlete, who is it? <laughs> I, I would say absolutely. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but go absolutely ahead. Absolutely far and away, it's got to be Devontae Smith this year because of how infrequently a wide receiver wins the Heisman and wins it in the way that he did. I mean, the guy was the MVP of the national championship game, and he only played a half. Hmm. I know that's that he he had so many times this year where he just went absolutely nuts, and and was at the top of his game. And you're like, well, surely he can't top that. Surely he can't top that. And to be the MVP of a national championship the year that it comes out, I think you kind of have to give it to him. Before you answer, Brian, I want to say this too. I don't hate the pick. I like it. But with the new um, the name, image, likeness rules coming out, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's leaving. Yep. Right? Could it not be somebody we're looking toward next year as being that guy like in, in Madden, you know, okay. Like Lamar Jackson wins the MVP and he's on the, on the cover. I get it. But like, you're also, they also have the benefit of him playing again next year. Whereas in the NCAA football game, it's usually the guy who leaves and then they can pay him. What, but if they were going to do it now and they can pay a current college kid to do it, does that change your decision? I think that's what's going to happen. I was going to say exactly the same thing. I think it'll be, it's gonna it's gonna be difficult. I think it would obviously be Trevor Lawrence if he was coming back. Um, so it doesn't have to be a, a guy that's still there. You, could, you if you like Devontae Smith, that's cool. I just I wanted to throw that point that point out because I think that's something that's coming. Uh, no, I agree with that point. So I'd go with uh, probably someone similar who is gonna be in school, um, and you got a, a potential star running back out of Notre Dame, Kyron Williams, that I think they would give some love to because, you know, the NCAA always loves giving love to uh, to Notre Dame. So I'll go with Kyron Williams um, as someone who, you know, could potentially be on the next cover. It wouldn't be like my personal favorite, but. Uh, I, I have a lot of this. is I'm putting myself on the spot, too. I haven't really thought about this to be totally upfront here. Um, but I think Sam Howell would be a good one to put on the cover. Yep. Um, if, as far as looking forward, um, his expectations were high. I know you're an NC state guy. You probably don't hey, man, really like it. There's no way, no way I'm going to let you <laughs> see. I, I, I'm going to hit I understand. long show. No way. How about, understand what, if, what if it's like, uh, what if it's like magazines where you get a regional or yeah. it could happen. Fair enough. Especially Guys get a pile pits on the cover down there. And then, you know, yeah. Anyway, but no, I think Sam Howell, like his his expectations were always way up high. And you look at his numbers this year, he was he was pretty darn good. It just wasn't Heisman good, like we wanted him to be. 
or maybe not you, Matt. I know you probably wanted him to be terrible, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, but in just the college football world, like he was, I would say probably top three to five Heisman hopefuls going into the season. And, you know, he, he didn't live up to that, but I still think he could be that. And I think that's moving forward. That's who I would put on the cover if I, if I were picking right now. So I would pick. Well, I would say too, and Brian, you know, having Searchalytics and being an SEO optimization company, I think that Madden is probably going to be approached the same way. The NCA game, um, not Madden, but excuse me, the NCA game, they're going to say what's going to be the name that we can put on here that's going to have the most familiarity to the layperson that is out there in the world. It may not be the person that like the diehard college guy is going to know. It may be the person that the guy that only maybe watches the NFL on Sundays. Who, what's, the, what's the name that that they might associate and be like, hey, I'm now a fan of this guy. Oh, he was on the college game. How are they going to be able to bring these guys over and, and get these Madden players to also go pick up the college game as well? I think that that is probably going to play a part because they want to get sure things. They don't want to have another Mike Allstott situation uh, where he's on the cover <laughs> of the game and then fizzles out after that. Uh, you're talking about Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis. Excuse me. Peyton Hillis. Yeah, My yeah, bad. yeah. Same, same exact type of player, but yes, yeah, go on. My bad, my bad. Peyton Hillis, put him on the cover and then have him completely fall apart. They want a name that is going to be a top of their game and be a sure thing if they're going to be marketing this game that hasn't been around for already seven yeah. years, possibly 10 years before we see the next iteration. That's fair. That's a good point. It's, this is just a, a fun topic to talk I'm about. Just ready for the game to come out. I can't believe <laughs> they, they did that to us and then we find out it's, you know, two to three years launch. Is it that like, they said that? I didn't, yeah, I didn't see I mean, that. That's, that's yeah. what, a, what an EA guy said in an interview, but yeah, I expected quick. next year. You could have at least given us 24 hours to just have that joy and think, <laughs> oh, maybe it. it's going to come out this year, but uh, two yeah. to three years gives us far too much time to have unbelievable expectations to then get the game and have the uh, the this, the ridiculous situations like the uh, guys being able to block punts all the time or the, the broken plays. <laughs> Believe me, one of the things that as a side note that, uh, you know, Brian and I used to also have a uh, NCAA Dynasty League that we would run, and we had 12 guys in there, most of which are guys that are in the CFB Dynasty college or pro leagues, and we were intense. Um, we were intense. Brian was by far the guy that knew all the cheat codes. And I, when I say cheat code, I mean, just had the ability to make it look like he was using cheat codes. Um, I was the kind of guy that would get attached to all my players. I would literally rename every single player on my team, uh, every single year. And I would get attached to the guy and I would really hate having to make that late season cut of a guy because I, I, I grew to, I grew to see how he did as the seasons went on. Um, there were times we'd call people, we'd play a game and it'd be two o'clock in the morning. BMAC, you ain't going to believe this. I just beat such and such. And dude, I call them, give me a voicemail at two o'clock in the morning. So there's been a huge void in our lives for the last seven years. That's fantastic. Look, looking forward to NCAA football coming back, but I don't think any of us are looking forward to the broken things that were in the game. Hopefully that they take these two to three years to fix those things. Yeah. I'm going to beat part of me, these days. Part of me believes they're taking the time to sort out the, uh, the name image. Totally. issues yep. because I think because Florida it goes into effect this year right this summer yeah so now you yeah, have US Florida just doing launched their program so that they've got like and sur surely they're going to use it in recruiting but uh, yeah you want to talk about that player... I, I, this is new to me so 
Yeah, well, they're launching a player branding program. So they, they've got people that will help them, you know, create their brand and, and use their voice on social and all that stuff. And that's going into effect uh, now as they plan for that for the summer. Interesting. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's the big reason why it's being delayed. I think they could put out a game in three months if they really wanted to. You can't tell me that they haven't been developing one back behind the scenes for, for years. I, I, I refuse to believe that they just said, all right, we're not touching it for seven years. Like they have the bare bones of a game. They just have to, you know, yep. add the finishing touches on it. Like Madden's the same game every year. They just tweak a little bit here, add this little ability here, change the rosters, and you're good. Yep. They've added so, the college teams into that Madden uh, mode. But yeah, we'll do a full pod on the video game, certainly yeah. coming up soon. Um, Sorry, I, I kind of went off on that tangent. Oh, that's I think all right. That's all right. We'll about. dive right back in. So let's talk about some of the top freshmen that, uh, that played last year um, and guys that are coming into the new year, obviously, as key uh you know top players in our rankings that'll be unveiled here pretty soon but for me quarterback we can we can just run through it super quick so quarterback Grayson McCall man their offense was um innovative and so much fun to watch at Coastal Carolina um kind of a mix of of your classic option with the read option offense and uh just a blast yeah, yeah, just yeah. Blast to see. I look forward to seeing Grayson McCall because I got to follow him as a player on my team this year. Yep. Is how is Coastal Carolina's team going to operate next year when you have a more traditional schedule? If they have a traditional mm -hmm. schedule, one of the things this year that makes some of these rankings a little more difficult is we don't have that period of time at the beginning of the season where your group of five schools are playing against power five schools and getting completely waxed and not being able to put up the stats and then getting into their conference season where they get their, their, uh, their stats kind of get run up. Coastal mm -hmm. Carolina, other than BYU, didn't really play anybody until the bowl game where they played Liberty. Um, being able to see some of these guys like Malik Willis or, or Grayson mm -hmm. McCall be able to have three or four power five schools at the beginning of their, of their schedule, are they going to be able to continue to perform at that top level? But Absolutely. Grayson McCall was my top freshman far and away. So, Brian, I don't like you for stealing that from me. <laughs> and, and Rattler, <laughs> obviously, you got to mention Spencer Rattler. But going into the year, it's no surprise. It's Oklahoma. And uh, he had a good year. Uh, you know, it, it was really good for a freshman, but it, it didn't mm -hmm. quite meet up to the expectations of where people drafted him and how well he performed. But he, he played really well overall. Yeah, I, it's funny. I wrote him down here. He was the, my pick, but like you said, it was a it was a good year. If you look at it on paper, it was a good year, especially for a freshman. But it yep. wasn't it wasn't Baker Mayfield. It wasn't Kyler Murray. It wasn't Jalen Hurts. Good, and I think that's what people somehow expected. Just him stepping in and being that guy, and I don't think that was really fair to him. Um, although he he did live up to me in my eyes lived up to expectations because I didn't I expected him to struggle a little bit like yep. I wouldn't expect anybody to come in and just light it up as a true freshman he's a, he's a redshirt freshman right he's a true freshman redshirt freshman <laughs> yep okay yeah so I still that's that's your first game action like I, I think that that's pretty impressive what he did he's threw 28 touchdowns to seven picks like that's pretty solid for anybody um Maybe not at Oklahoma, but I think it's I think it's good. But I'm going to go a little off off the beaten path here with a, a freshman quarterback. Um, 
Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. Yeah. I know it's Wisconsin. It's it's Wisconsin, but it's he that first game of the season, he lit up Illinois. He had one incompletion, had five touchdowns in that game. Now, COVID hit them hard because they had like two or three like multi-week absences where they didn't play. Yep. And I think that hurt them as a team like progressing and getting better because they didn't really know when they were going to play. If who if they were going to play that week and then they get canceled, then they'd have to do it all over again next week and it happened again. But overall, as a freshman, I thought he looked pretty good, especially for a, a Wisconsin quarterback. I think they, they might have somebody um, serious there uh, moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, at running back, uh, just to name a few before I give mine. So Ty Jordan, sad story, but great season uh, for him as a freshman at Utah. Uh, Vaughn from um, – oh, shoot uh, – where did he play? Hey, Kansas State. State. Deuce Vaughn. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was incredible when he played Tank Bigsby. Um, he'll be my pick. Tank's big, Tank Bigsby, Bigsby from Auburn mm. was absolutely incredible and a beast. Did not look like a freshman. Um, and then another one to throw in there as someone who will be a, a key player going into college fantasy rankings this year will be Jalen Berger out of Wisconsin. Looks to have won the job mm-hmm. and uh, was really incredible when he was on the field. Well, after naming all those running backs, I'm surprised you didn't name uh, Bentley from SMU because that, yeah, was, that was my guy. guy. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But <laughs> no, yeah, go yeah. ahead, go, go ahead. Now Bentley from Bentley from SMU. You know, coming into that offense, they've been producing some fantasy caliber players over the last couple of years. Once they got over being really, really bad, um, and uh, him being a freshman out there, I think is a uh, He's probably the best freshman running back, I think, out there in the country right now. So it's, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the next coming years. Yeah, I had two or three of those guys on my list, so I don't really have much of a list anymore. But my guy was was Bentley. I think that that offense always has a sneaky good running back that people overlook, seem like every year they overlook. And if you go back and look at the end of the season, he's one of the top ten running backs every year, whoever that may be at SMU. Sometimes two different guys are doing it there. So I, I, I would have gone with Bentley. Um, so that's who I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stick with him. All right, receiver, uh, Jordan Addison, great season out of Pitt. He was really good. He's not my pick. Don't worry, Zach. And then uh, <laughs> Marvin Mims was flat-out incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. But Kayshawn Boutte, I think, uh, at least Mims was really impressive, but Boutte really took over as they had people opting out throughout the season. A lot of moving parts and weird stuff happening at LSU. But uh, – he looks like he's going to be a star. Yeah, right. Mims, oh, I'll, right. I'll, let you, I'll let you go first because I went I went the last time. So Okay. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Jordan Addison at Pitt. Um, I, like I said earlier uh, in the podcast, I like guys who get consistent targets consistent and do something with those targets. Um, as a freshman, he had 60 catches this year. Um, didn't have a ton of yards, but still as in the offense that's not really explosive – he showed something that maybe he can be that guy moving forward that we look at and say, okay, he's now going to take that step to from 60 catches. He's going to go to 80, 90, maybe even a hundred catches. Cause he's going to be the focal point of that offense. The focal yeah. point of the offense is the key right there. So for Oklahoma specifically, if you look at their data and the receivers, uh, you, they really have one guy typically. Sometimes there's two that, that has a really good fantasy value output now, if you're looking at like high value 
for like a, a you know your third receiver in a DFS lineup or someone that you can throw in randomly when you're having bye week troubles or whatever, you can get that wide receiver two or three from Oklahoma. But yes, Mims looks like he's got everything of being that high volume guy. And the thing about Mims too is that Mims coming into the season was the number five wide receiver on the depth chart. Yep. And right from week one. Mims came in as a freshman and just lit it up. Now, he may not have had as many catches as even somebody like uh, Romeo Dubes did, but you could tell, like you said, he was the number one guy. Whether he was number five on the depth chart or not, maybe it's a, maybe it was there was chemistry between he and Rattler being both young guys, but Mims definitely looks like the guy who's going to be jumping off the page for the next couple of years, very surprisingly, in that Oklahoma stacked offense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I guess we don't want to keep everybody too long here, um, but I, I think we should talk about kind of what we learned this year. This was a different year. Um, we had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of cancellations, postponed games. Um, what would you say that we learned the most this year, Brian? What would you say? Well, I guess as a something that's more of a question than something I learned is, is will – opt-outs become a trend and really as a college football fan i i really hope not because it's really sad that people you know if 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 your team you know at some point loses a couple games and they're out of the playoff you're quitting on your team and you're really hurting everyone else there and that's really sad to see from a, a college just college football fandom in general. So that's one thing that seems like it's becoming a trend, but really I, I don't know how it's going to impact the, the NFL draft and how, how these players are going to perform. Um, seeing players just decide to sit out a year at like a Jamar Chase, who I've got in fantasy, but and I hope he does well in the NFL. He's certainly going to be a high draft pick. You know, uh, how, you know, how when, much rest will be there? I have no idea. When we were doing the uh, when we were doing the uh, the setup and the warm up for this, and we got the questions and all that. That was one that really stuck out to me: is opt outs going to become part of a trend? Opt outs have already been a trend before this year. It just didn't have that name. Um, you look at De'Aaron King. You know what? Houston's not going to be good, so I'm just gonna, um, you know, I'm going to sit out. I'm going to go transfer somewhere else because my team's not going to be that good this year. Um, Bradley Chubb from NC State sat out the bowl game. A lot of guys will sit out their bowl game. Um, they'll just say, hey, we're just going to sit out so I can go prepare for the NFL draft. Um, I think that the the bigger question is, is as commissioners and fantasy football leagues, um, how do we handle how opt-outs started to be a, a phrase for people opting out of COVID-19 reasons, and then it turned into every time somebody sits out is going to be called an opt-out. And I think that there's a big difference between a guy sitting out for health reasons or a guy sitting out to just, you know what, forget it. I just want to go prepare for the NFL draft. Are we going to be able to treat those things differently? Are we going to look at our rosters differently because of this? I think that's the biggest question that we really don't have an answer for right now. Unless Zach right. Tao decides to come up with the answer right now. Ready? Go. Oh, don't put that on me. Um, <laughs> I, as a commissioner of a 20-team dynasty league, it was – a struggle this year, and this is where I'm going to lead into the, what I learned. As a commissioner, you're one, you're not going to please everybody. I think you knew that already. But there's so many things that would come up, like are we playing, are they not playing, who's playing, who's not playing, when are they going to play. Like 
Pac-12 wasn't playing, and then all of a sudden now they're playing. Um, do we use those players? Do we not use those players? It it was just it seemed like it was just a never-ending hail of bullets coming at you. Like you didn't know how, what what was the right thing to do. And look, I, I hope everything gets back to normal soon. Um, you know, the vaccine and everything, all that stuff. But I think moving forward, the opt-outs, like you said, they're kind of always been a thing. They've been called something else. But this year was different. You had opt-outs that they weren't opting out in June saying, hey, I'm sitting out this season. They were opting out a week before the season started and saying, you know what? I'm not going to play. Hey, Jamar like, Chase opted out an hour before our fantasy football draft. We're sitting in the room. That's what I'm saying. And when he dropped it out. Yeah, and then you have that happen. And, look, I don't blame the kid. Like, but couldn't you have done that a few weeks earlier? Like, and I'm not saying that for our draft purposes. I'm not saying that selfishly. I'm saying that more so for your, for the team really, because now they have to scramble and say, all right, who's stepping into that role? Who are we putting in? Like they have backfilling everybody. And then Marshall did the same thing, right? Yeah. Mid, he like did. midway mid, through the season. Midway through the season. Yeah. And I, I just wonder if this was just a special circumstance that they allowed people to do that. But I guess you can't not let them do it. They, you can't make them play, I, I suppose. But is it going to continue? Like, you know what, week seven, eh, I don't think I'm going to play anymore. Boom. Yeah, that or is it just going to be a bowl, the, bowl game thing? That combined with the transfer portal, uh, <sighs> man, it's, it's just really rough. Like, you have players that just, you know, the first – seemingly the first sign of negativity, they just bounce. And I, well, I think that's a – I don't want to put that on people. I, I, everybody's situation is different. And yeah. I, I always remind myself that, like, I might say, oh, he's had it tough. He's he's getting out while it's tough. He wants an easy path. But at the same time, you don't really know what's going through that kid's head. Like, yeah. he could be from Florida, and he could be playing at Utah. And he's like, you know what? Like, I don't know anybody here. I don't really – like, this, this culture is just different here. Like, living in Utah is so much different. I miss being closer to home. And – I don't. I always. I don't ever want to put that on. Like, oh, they're bailing on their team. But I know what happens. But um, I want to. I want to stay away from that. But um, as far as man, like moving forward, the draft is such a big, dis- big part of those decisions. And I get it. If I were going to be a multimillionaire in a couple months, you know what? Maybe I probably don't play and get hurt. It'd be hard for me to play. But at the same time you love playing, right? Like that's, that's why you're where you are. You have, you have to love it to be where you are. And I, I think you saw that love and for um, teams that really performed well combined with uh, senior leadership in a weird year where there wasn't a lot of practice, no spring for most teams Mm -hmm. at all. Um, Weird fall. Um, I really think that that kind of showed and that's that was another trend that uh, that I noticed this year in a weird year where there was less practice. Some of these defenses that were just flat out bad out of nowhere mm-hmm. stayed bad all year. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, just a lack of leadership or you know an exuberance uh, or a, or absorbent amount of youth on some of these teams where. It's, it's weird. You have someone, so just to reference someone from Florida, um, Kyer Elam's going to be one of the top cornerbacks going into the draft next year, uh, very likely. He's ha- he hasn't played in spring yet. It's, it's weird. 
uh, to say that he's going into his junior year. This will be his first spring, assuming they have it. Um, yeah. So that was another thing that that I saw. Alabama had a terrible defensive game against Ole Miss, who was really good on offense all year, but uh, they cleaned things up. Florida, on the other hand, didn't. And there's there's most teams out there that kind of had a worse than normal defense, and you kind of saw that in the NFL too. Right. One of the things that I learned, and I'm, if we take it back to the fantasy football side, is that, you know, like we talked about before the broadcast, there were some guys that didn't want to play. They weren't sure if they wanted to play. For most people, it was just give us a way to be able to play the game. We've had a crappy year as it is, <laughs> stuck in our houses. Um, we can't go out and do anything. Find a way for there to be some normalcy when we all heard that there was going to be games and nobody was going to be in the stands in most cases, we're like, well, this is going to be weird. What's it going to be like if there's nobody in the stands and we've seen it across college basketball, pro basketball, college football, pro football. It's, it's the game is still the game. And when it comes back to fantasy football, mm -hmm. it was, how can we make this work? Um, Brian and I are very big and Brian Keita phrase a long time ago that I feel like is a key phrase for everybody in that commissions any league never make a rule that specifically impacts one team negatively just for the sake of impacting them. Oh, Zach Tao's team is too good. We have to make a rule just to affect his team. Yeah. Make a rule that everybody has the opportunity to benefit from or have an issue with um, equally. And this year, more than any year, because the conferences came in, what we thought the rules were going to be at the end of the draft changed two days later. And then mm -hmm. the rules we thought were going to be dead set, there's no way they're going to change, changed twice or three times as the year went on. And some people yeah. were ready to roll with the punches. Hey, we just want <laughs> to play. Help us to be able to play. Some people questioned every single move that was made. Just understand, hey, we got to roll with the punches. Just like BYU scheduling in less than a week to play Coastal Carolina. BYU changing their, their schedule seven times. The Big Ten coming back. The Pac-12 coming back. Everybody just has to be like, hey, the goal is – Let's figure out a way to play and have fun with it because that's why we're here. Right. I think that's a good good point. Um, and I, I don't want to forget this. It was um, something we meant to talk about. Um, real quick, can we go over underachievers this year, people who just didn't perform like we expected them to, whether it was their draft position was here and they performed way below that or just people you thought personally were going to be better than they were. I think the biggest the biggest disappointment to me by far this fantasy season was Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. He could do mm. no wrong coming into the season, and he could do nothing this year. <laughs> I was I was excited that he came back for a senior season. Thought he was going to absolutely blow up the stat sheet. Thought he was going to solidify himself as a top end of the first round NFL draft pick. And Chuba Hubbard couldn't stay on the field. I mean, there were teams that were built around Chuba Hubbard, and you saw them suffer because he just could not do anything this year. It's weird too. The the backup came in and crushed it. Like I don't know, really don't know what that was. There it was a weird situation. Um, so one guy that I followed throughout the year as I was watching North Carolina was Daz Newsom, and he just didn't do anything really going into the year. I kept seeing him. I didn't have him in any of my leagues, but DFS he his value would continually go down every week. So I'd throw him into a lineup once in a while and he he would just he was very volatile and, and that was weird but then Tamori and Terry who was who was mace who was mostly like a 
second, third, fourth round pick in most leagues, uh, average less than 10 points per game. Um, and Florida State just kind of had a rough year um, in a transition year. And things are, you know, hopefully going to turn around for them as they have some more familiarity with the coaching staff and everything. But uh, yeah, rough year for uh, Tamari and Terry owners. All right. I've got to have two guys. One's an underachiever. One's a disappointment. Um, my, my underachiever is KJ Costello. Um, I think we had all of yeah. these, these yep. lofty expectations, fair or not, that he was going to go down there with Mike Leach and just throw it all over the place and, yeah. and throw for 400 yards a game. And that first game you thought, holy crap, they're going to do this, aren't they? <laughs> and then everybody figured him out and it was just like, he just tanked. He was not good. <laughs> Um, so that was kind of disappointing, um, cause I wanted to see it work and not saying it won't work moving forward. I just think that that was an underachiever, my underachiever. And my disappointment is Jamie Newman at Georgia. Like that hype for that was so real. And I'm not even like, I look back at like his wake forest days and I'm thinking, man, this guy was good. But then like, we're hyping this guy up like he's Jalen Hurts. We're hyping this guy like he's Michael Vick. But but anyway, Georgia needed a quarterback. They needed a spark. And him not playing really kind of cast a shadow over that that team because I think they really were counting on him this year. Well, and to dovetail that back into something Brian said earlier, who knows how these guys are going to perform that opted out. I don't know if you guys saw the senior bowl, but he was absolutely terrible in the senior bowl. He looked so uncomfortable in the senior bowl and wearing a wake forest helmet in the senior bowl, which I thought was very weird after opting huh. out as a Georgia quarterback, he wore a wake forest helmet in the senior bowl. He looked hmm. absolutely terrible. And like, I was like, man, this, this doesn't bode well for Panay Sewell and, um, and Jamar chase guys that opted out at the same time he did. I'm like, He's not a very good poster child for guys that sat out the whole year because he was like the eighth best quarterback out of six that were there. <laughs> yeah, and while yeah. we're on Georgia, they had to watch their former quarterback go to the national championship game in Justin Fields. So that's that's a kind of a yeah. painful year for them. Yeah, that was but they it was, looked it was great. a painful year for all of us, really. They looked great honest. going like, into twenty twenty one. The fact that we had college football, I think we just count our blessings and Hope, hope we can keep this thing going. Yeah. Um, but I think that's all we've got today. Um, we've got plenty more podcasts coming up. I'm not sure when we'll do our next one. I would think in the next week or two, we'll probably yep. put out another one. Um, but until then, Zach, Matt, Brian, good talking with you guys next time. Thanks. Later. Yeah.